Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome one, welcome all. It is 7 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. That means it is time for the final BTB roundtable in the month of Augusto. My name is RJ Ocho. You know me from Blogging the Boys. I am joined by five spectacular people. In fact, if I had to choose the five best people on this earth right now, I would choose the five people that are here with me in our 12 o'clock position. You know him. You see him. You know them. Everybody here from throughout the Blogging the Boys universe. It is Tony Catalina, who said he ate a big vat of spaghetti for dinner tonight. Tony, thank you for joining us this particular evening. Off in the top right corner, he is not the character from the Nickelodeon show, but his name was inspired by it. Danny Phantom, a.k.a. Dan Rogers. Dan, I wasn't going to tell anybody your last name, but you put it there. So at the end of this thing, you can give them your social security number and your uh, your routing number as well. So everybody just kind of has you know what they need. Uh, bottom right corner here, we have Brandon Clements, who has overcome the internet really I, I think if anyone is going to lead us against skynet when it rises it will be brandon because he has conquered all of the internet demons brandon thank you for joining us jess navarez with her new puppy wit is in our six o'clock position you hear jess every single day on dallas cowboys daily wit is very 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 precious my dog is not in this room but you might be able to be hearing him bark because i can hear him through my noise canceling headphones our bottom left quadrant is occupied by the one and only the debonair is that um is that you know it's felt mark lane i mean what is what is up with this blazer here this 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 cashmere like what's going on here you dressed up for this thing yeah well i mean you got to if you're going to be on camera <laughs> you know that's what? why I, when i was on the cbs sports zoom call earlier they had jim nance tony romo and everything i wasn't sure my camera was on so i made sure to put some duct tape over it because i wasn't ready Look at that. All right. I respect it. It's a hot time of year. So the fact that you would wear something that would seemingly be so thick uh, is your true commitment to uh, to the grind and to the hustle. Jess, what is it like now being a dog mom to two different pups? You know what? Toby's not happy with me. Um, Wit, on the other hand, though, he is spunky. He's a very spunky puppy, but it's uh, it's very weird having two dog children. Very weird. Mm. Having multiple. Having to say, my my dog children need me. My My dog, my fur babies. They need their mother. So it's very weird. Very weird. Right. And Tony, a lot of like, dog crying, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Tony, like me, you um, you have a little dog. And I've actually seen you tweet before that you would die for your dog. Um, Absolutely. I mean, if, you're, if your dog <laughs> said, Dad, I need you to leave right now and renounce your Dallas Cowboys fandom, would you? It's tough because his name is Zeke. So, <laughs> um, that happen anyway. yeah, listen, exactly. So I think Zeke might be leaving us before I leave the Cowboys. So um, he's got to understand it's been 31 years of torture. So I don't think I'm going anywhere. I think you're in for an awkward conversation with your dog uh, come March of 2023. Um, but, <laughs> but we'll save that for later. Dan, you said that you are having homemade pizza bread for dinner tonight. Are you going to share the recipe with the class and we're all done? Uh, no, I'm not just because I don't have the time to do that. But uh, if you email me, I'll try to put something together for you. 
Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. Brandon, um, you have not won a BTB roundtable. We had a weird episode last week because it was happening in parallel with the Dallas Cowboys practice. Lo and behold, our whole world would implode just one day later. Uh, but so there is a BTB roundtable trophy up for grabs tonight. Tony has one on his mantle. Mark has one on his mantle. Why do you think it will be yours this particular evening, Brandon? I, honestly, it's because I'm wearing this great shirt right here, representing Central New York right here. Syracuse Orange, baby. Okay. All right. Carmelo uh, would appreciate that, I'm sure. Uh, let's get number 15. Look at that. Shout out to me. If I was awarding points to myself, I would never do that. I would never be so narcissistic. I would have given myself an appropriate 15 points uh, at that point. Uh, AJ says, Jess, FTW, family show around here. So appreciate the acronym with, I think that's six trophies. Uh, you know, Cowboys are one shy of that. So uh, we'll see. Rachel, by the way, Tony says, Zeke is very loved in our family. Uh, your beautiful bride. Uh, so great job there. Uh, look at that. Tony's getting his family involved. And we start with you, Tony, since you're pushing people to the show. The Dallas Cowboys set their initial 53-man roster on Tuesday afternoon. We say the word initial because this is going to change. We said that in our video that went up on the channel describing that. Tony, your immediate takeaway looking at this thing, aside from the obvious, that there's no backup quarterback, the special situation, the things that we know are going to change. What was your big kind of takeaway? You know, I think I'm glad to see that Dennis Houston snuck through. I think I didn't have him. Well, I know I didn't have him in my 53-man roster, but I feel like Dak Prescott is a big fan. I think if you're going to have anybody in that in that building rooting for you, I think QB1 is definitely a good sponsor. Um, I, I, I kind of hit where the cornerbacks are. I think, you know, obviously things are going to shake out, but I think that they they value trying to keep somebody like Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph in the building, so I don't think they want to give up on those guys early. So this just seeing them go deeper in different positions is interesting um i know he's a friend of the show he's been on the first and 10 podcast a little maybe i was a little more surprised than other people to see sean uh, get cut there i think he's a practice squad uh in the sean McHugh in the tight end um i think he's a practice squad candidate but um kind of looking through this roster obviously like you mentioned there's a lot more kind of things to shake out here but it's interesting and kind of telling to see what they value and where they wanted to keep some of their depth Mm. Jess, you promised the DCD audience that you would have a full discussion on the 53-man roster on Wednesday's episode, but if you could give us a sneak peek at that right now, what were your main takeaways? Well, so I just finished recording that, actually, so I'm glad you asked, and yeah, if y'all don't listen to that already, you should, because it's very fun, and uh, I think it's a fun way to start the mornings, but, you know, the good thing, and I'm trying to stay positive, because it was really a tough week, a tough couple of weeks for Cowboys Nation. Being a Cowboys fan has been kind of difficult lately. So I tried to stay positive in saying there wasn't really many shockers, which is a good thing, right? We didn't want another surprise uh, to come our way. So um, really the only thing, and Tony kind of touched base on this, is I didn't expect Dennis Houston to make the final roster. I think he started off camp very strong, and I think he kind of dwindled away uh, as camp kind of went on, especially towards the second and third preseason games. Uh, I didn't see as much of him as I would like and and I personally didn't see him making the final cut but I am glad he did because if you're going to find somebody that already has that established chemistry with Dak Prescott you should keep him around so I'm not I'm not upset that he made the roster I just was a little shocked there other than that you know it's it's a good thing that we didn't have any uh surprises come our way however like you mentioned this isn't anywhere close to the initial roster because my guy Brett Maher is not on here so you know I have a soft spot for Brett Maher as we are friends again 
Um, Mark, do you agree that this was rather chalk for the Dallas Cowboys? Not really any surprises, no kind of, you know, wild cut, even, you know, Dennis Houston made the roster and I know that was kind of surprising to some of us, but you, you could see a path to that even a few weeks ago, what with his relationship with Dak. So, uh, do you agree it was kind of boring? Yeah, the roster moves are pretty much expected and Jerry did set now was Steven yesterday on the fan he said that they will move James Washington and Tyron Smith to injured reserve. So really, you got to watch what happens when they open up those two roster spots, who they bring back. And then that's when I think the surprises will begin. So this is, you know, kind of like um, when you land on a, a Jurassic Park island and, you know, there's dinosaurs and you see them, the surprise is which one of your friends gets eaten first. Mm, Mark rooting for all of us to get eaten by um, Velociraptors, it seems. Uh, Dan, uh, Mark mentioned Tyron Smith and James Washington heading to injured reserve. The first time that that can happen is Wednesday, August 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern time. There are four roster spots seemingly that we have to create, Dan. Um, obviously, Jess mentioned that Brett Maher is not here. Neither is Jake McQuaid. Cooper Rush is not here. C.J. Goodwin not here. And there were some reports uh, that it does seem like the Cowboys are intent on bringing him back. I know a lot of us kind of thought maybe Nashawn Wright would take over his role. But that's four spots that we have to carve out, out of what we're looking at here. We can very easily get to two, what with James Washington and Tyron Smith hitting injured reserve. But that's only halfway home. What other two names do you see here that could just be temporary? Oh, you're giving me that one? Oh. Hey, you had the pizza bread, Dan. You're already, you know, ahead of everybody else. Oh, man. I, that's really a tough question, RJ, because, I, I mean, I look at this and I'm seeing a lot of young guys that they really see a lot of promise in, you know, like with the hinder shots and the Ridgeway. Got, you know, guys that I didn't expect to, to actually make the team, um, you know, then with Dennis Houston. And, of course, I'm glad to see them go long at linebacker. I, you know, I was, I was thinking that was going to happen. But I don't know. I don't know who they're going to who they're going to bounce um you know i was kind of hoping nation right wouldn't make the team because wow I mean, you know how i feel about nation and uh but um you know the cowboys like him and so i it's it's tough because i feel like they I, I feel like it wouldn't be a young guy but then i don't know is it gonna be basham um it's that I mean, so, it's really so do you think do you think dan just to kind of focus on this do you think that there are actual cuts coming or do you think that all four spots that we have to create on on the face here are all um, manipulation related, as in players that are going to end up on injured reserve, like James Washington and Tyron Smith? The arguments, a lot of people in the chat noting John Ridgway has a thing. The Cowboys could kind of sell putting him on IR. Even Kelvin Joseph had the concussion that popped up uh, at the very beginning of the preseason finale. You could kind of sell putting him on IR. I mean, so that could be four right there. Um, but you're saying that maybe somebody, even Israel Mukwamu, you could kind of sell putting on IR given what happened with the groin thing in the preseason game. But you think somebody could get cut, cut. Well, I just feel, I think the math means that somebody's going to have, I mean, am, am I not seeing something correctly? I feel, I feel like there's going to have to be a player here that, that, you know, it's, it's going to have to be removed. I, I don't know um, if there's enough people that they can designate to put, and I mean, unless they're not planning on bringing in CJ, you know, Goodwin. Uh, so I don't know. Um, there's been a lot of thinking about, like, I'm trying to, like, strategize. Like, is there, maybe they're wanting to cut Ridgeway loose late and after everybody's got their rosters kind of sort of situated and feel like it's less likely he'll get poached if that happens. I, I mean, I don't know. That's a really tough question, and I, I, I really don't know where this is going. 
Um, Ethan with a great comment, by the way, says I'm ready to see boss man thin because boss man fat isn't working. Um, so, um, that's clever. Hadn't heard that one before. Dan left us, by the way, I'm sure he'll be back momentarily. Uh, Brandon looking at every single name here. Um, what position group, let's get Dan back in here. Brandon, what position group do you think we could see a newbie added to? I mean, is offensive line, the, the most predictable thing here, like, like where could, could we see somebody who isn't, you know, a, a cowboy? Cause again, we're, we're talking Brett Maher, Jake McQuay, CJ Godwin, Cooper Rush. They're all likely coming back in some capacity, but we're talking new blood here. Where do you think that is most likely to be? It's absolutely offensive line. I think you, you saw today with the cuts, the, uh, the Raiders, cut the uh, the fat, so to speak, from the, the first-round pick of, of what, eight, a year and a half ago of Alex Leatherwood. So that could be a guy that could be brought in with his first-round pedigree from Alabama. There's a lot of ties there. So that's that that's the name that comes to mind first, is absolutely uh, going going in the offensive tackle direction. And then Alex Leatherwood would be would be one name. I mean, you could see a receiver. I know, and I know a lot of folks are not exactly happy with the receiving core. So you could see, you know, a lot of people are calling for Will Fuller. So that's that's a name that could be uh, possibly out there. But I think I think at this point, offensive tackle is obviously a big need. And with Tyler Smith with his with his ankle issue, you know, it, it might be good to keep him inside because you know he he hasn't had a lot of time in you know on the outside right now with a high ankle sprain that which which has been reported by Jerry Jones. That might not be good for him, so they might they might want to keep him back at guard, and, and and unfortunately you may have to bring in Josh Ball, which I don't want to see happen, but I'd like to see Alex Leatherwood. That'd be that'd be the first first pick for me. Okay, so Brandon segues us into the first non fifty three man roster related subject of the evening, so an extra three points for him. Uh, Tony, I'll throw this your way. Uh, Brandon touched on it. Jerry Jones went on one hundred five through the fan on Tuesday morning and noted that Tyler Smith reportedly has a high ankle sprain. Uh, Steven Jones on the fan on Monday said that Tyler has been given the green light full go is good for practice. Everybody would know that if they listen to Dallas Cowboys daily, once again, just make sure you're caught up on all the headlines. But uh, Tony, is this not like, holy crap, this cannot be the plan at left tackle. If this dude's dealing with a high ankle sprain, these are things that tend to linger. He's a rookie. He hasn't played this position since June. Like, we are continuing to just find more reasons why this is a, a poor idea as opposed to justifying the thinking behind the Cowboys logic. Yeah, you know, you wonder, did Jerry misspeak? I mean, because a high ankle sprain is a serious deal. I mean, you're talking about something that typically takes people, what, four to six weeks. You had Stephen Jones the day before telling him, like you said, he's good to go. So I don't know many people that can heal up from a high ankle sprain in about a week to 10 days. So I, I hope that Jerry just misspoke and maybe it's, you know, an ankle sprain that who knows. But, but what yes. if he didn't? What, like live in, in what he said. What if he it, what if he was true to what he said? It's a concern. I think it's I think it's very concerning. I mean, if you're going to send out a guy there to play left tackle in the NFL after not taking any reps for two months at the position with a high ankle sprain, that's a, that causes for concern. And I had concerns for pre-injury. So, yeah, you don't love the idea of having Dak Prescott, you know, protecting his blind side against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, solid defense, um, you know, dealing with anything. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys. Jess, um, I often say that Tony can be one of the bigger homers around here, but you can be one of the more, this is different than Homer, uh, one of the more sunshiny people uh, when it comes to the Cowboys, like always trying to kind of, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that being said, right. it's it's become very difficult. Um, you could argue over the last 30 years. Uh, so you could argue over the last, you know, nine uh, months. That was um, before I was born, but yeah, yeah. Right. So. But particularly over the course of the last seven days, it's become yeah. difficult to, to really trust them. So if we if we peel this onion back, this is like an ogre. It has layers. I mean, how how much would you 
feel like the season is in extreme jeopardy. Well, you know what's funny is the thing that Jerry Jones keeps banking on is Tyrone Smith's going to be back come playoffs. Well, why are we talking about playoffs when we don't even know if we're going to make it to the playoffs, right? So usually I would be the one that would say like, yeah, playoffs. I'm concerned. And and I'm concerned coming from, you know, a Tony Romo era fan who constantly had to worry of quarterback injury. So obviously having a weak O-line, that scares me as a fan. And that I don't know how they're so calm about it. I don't know how the front office is not freaking out, losing sleep over it. I know personally with the Tampa Bay game just around the corner, I am. I'm losing sleep over the lack of depth at the O-line and just the offense overall did not look great this, this preseason. And so I do like to be a little bit more sunshiny, like you said, with my takes here, but it's hard. It is so hard, especially when you have them going on the same radio station. They're both on the fan saying conflicting things. And, you know, something that Jerry also mentioned in that same interview on Tuesday morning of the fan was uh, when he was asked, well, why are we not supposed to worry about Tyler Smith when, you know, Mike McCarthy basically said he wouldn't get the starting position at left guard. And now suddenly he's going to be your starting left tackle. Jerry said, oh, that's only for the man upstairs to know. Jerry, why are you going against your own head coach now? This is it's madness and it never stops and it's exhausting. So I'm trying to stay positive, but I'm exhausted. And I think the rest of the Cowboys fans really are right there with me. Um, I'll turn to somebody who is is known to breathe optimism into every sector of life. Uh, and that is Mark Lane. Mark, I don't know that anybody has listened to more of Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones speaking than you have. Mark is, is the best transcriptionist in the business. Uh, make sure you follow Mark on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. Don't follow the fake Mark Lane because that one sucks. We do not endorse that person. Mark, Lois's nephew. Um, do we actually believe that the Cowboys are, are are banking on Tyron Smith returning, or do we we believe this to be Jerryisms, coach speaks, uh, positive spins? Jess brought up Mike McCarthy last week, saying that that Connor McGovern ha- had a head start or was ahead of Tyler Smith as far as the starting left guard position was concerned. Personally, I kind of thought that was coach speak. I, I kind of thought that McCarthy just didn't want to publicly anoint Tyler Smith yet. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but but what's your read on this, Mark? Do you actually think that the Joneses are are planning on Tyron Smith? playing at some point this year because if so that would be highly irresponsible yes I think they do expect him to come back at some point in December what they have to do right now is they have to figure a way to hide what's going on at left tackle um, someone in the comments brought up a really great point which is what if you take Terrence Steele and but it's just wild to put him out at left tackle But Stephen Jones said in that interview from Monday, he was asked point blank by one of the hosts, quote, is the plan at the moment for Tampa for your tackle to be an in-house person, unquote. And Stephen Jones answered, the plan is for it to be an in-house person. So your starting left tackle week one is already on the roster relative to how they get through to December when Santa Claus brings you Tyron Smith remains to be seen, but I know that Bill Parcells, and I've referenced this on the roundtables before, in the production meeting for the Week 14 matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs in 2005. King. King Mark. He mentioned that um, it's easy to hide a tackle, because at the time, Flozell Adams tore his ACL, I believe in Week 6, against the New York Giants, and they were using Torrin Tucker at left tackle, but they also had a problem at right tackle where you had the sixth rounder 
rookie Rob Petiti starting at right tackle. So it was hard to hide two of them. And that may be a reality Dallas runs into in this quest to get Tyron Smith back uh, in December. But relative to now, I think what their plan is use somebody in-house, maybe Tyler Smith at left tackle, try to hide him, help him uh, adapt to the NFL, and then you get Tyron Smith later on. Also, you got to take a look at 2020. In 2020, you didn't have Tyron Smith, but for two games. And offensive line coach Joe Philbin trotted out Brandon Knight, who was like an undrafted rookie from 2019. Right. And then they had Cameron Irving. But really, I think the Joneses look at it like this. The difference in winning the NFC East is whether you have Dak Prescott or not. Mm. The offensive line, they they can just shuffle pieces as they need to. It was had not having Dak Prescott for throughout 2020 that cost them not so much the fact they didn't have Tyron Smith. Mm, that is a super terrifying thing to think of as reality, Mark. Um, Dan, a week ago on the roundtable, you expressed some concern. Um, I would actually say some fear about the state of the offensive line position for the Dallas Cowboys. Lo and behold, about 26 hours later, we got confirmation of the worst that Tyron Smith was done for what will probably be the entire season. So ever since then, Dan, the focus has been on, and I wrote about this recently at the site, uh, who's going to start at left tackle? Who's going to start at left tackle? Tyler Smith's going to go out to left tackle. Connor McGovern's going to go up to left guard. Cool. We're going to be fine. They are still not addressing the swing tackle position. And we know this is a failure because neither of the swing tackle contenders in Josh Ball nor Matt Willetsko are serious contenders for the starting left tackle position. So they have no real sustainable plan at left tackle. They have absolutely no plan at all at swing tackle. And now that they're promoting Connor McGovern seemingly to full-time starter at left guard, they have no plan for interior help. I mean, we, we put the roster up here. We can put it up here again. I think we all kind of agree that there's at least one new name coming along the offensive line, as, as Brandon mentioned. But, like, you can make a very strong argument that there should be three new names there for the reasons just mentioned. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I, I, and I feel even worse now. And just listening <laughs> to you say all that just makes me really sad. And um, I know I don't like to have to revisit it every day. And I'm just like – the thing is, is I don't, I don't even like the Cowboys – plan right now at starting left tackle i think that the cowboys they, they have this um belief in themselves that every first round pick that they make is just pure gold mm. and i mean to their credit a lot of times it, it has been but this the tyler smith one i i i really fear if if he doesn't pan out that this is the the, the cowboys are just basically punting the month of september it's, it's like they're just going to throw him in the fire and let, let him work himself out. And in the meantime, it's going to be penalties. It's going to be, you know, there's sacks and this offense is going to sputter and then we're going to lose games. So I feel like it, they're, they're, they're trying to play the long game with this sense of confidence and what they have, the belief in him. I don't know if that's a plan that's going to work. Uh, moving along to the, the swing, um, you know, and Mark made great points. And I, I, do, I do agree with, with, like, it's really about Dak. It's it's about Dak. Um, they, they can get by with, with some you know, less than stellar help along the swing, you know, and the, the swing tackle. However, I will say this, that same season, we were, we were pretty optimistic about how Terrence still looked and how Brandon Knight looked in year two. We don't have feel any of that right now about Josh Ball. And we've only seen a little bit of Matt Wiletsko. So now it's just like a completely different situation. And, and we do know how things were when they had atrocious uh, tackle play. So, 
so yeah i mean it's just it's a lot it's a lot different and i'm just i'm really unsettled and each day doesn't get any better and then you kind of you kind of see that sense that they're trying to maybe get somebody when there's rumors about maybe a trade or something and but then here we are and still nobody so yeah i'm um i'm pretty scared uh brandon brian notes in the chat that the cowboys are likely going to use a lot of 12 personnel this season obviously um that's a safe assumption given the instability um at at left tackle uh i want to flip things to a different question for you brandon um if it isn't obvious i'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants it's been a busy day around here so i'm just kind of coming up with questions because you guys have such tremendous answers so brandon um I do feel like I, I would I would say that the answer to this is yes, but I'm curious for, for you to kind of flesh it out. Are the Cowboys setting Tyler Smith up poorly? Are they setting him up for failure? Are they setting him up for success? I mean, like, just take that wherever you want. And if even if your answer is yes, does that matter? Like, does it doesn't it matter? Like, who cares how they're setting him up? They have to figure this out. They have to play in, in 12 days against the Buccaneers. Like, is it really important how Tyler Smith is feeling about all this? The Cowboys did it to themselves. And yes, they're setting him up poorly because – You've had him working inside all offseason, all training camp, getting him ready for the regular season. So that's on that's on the Cowboys. They they should have they should have had a plan in place where they should have had him, you know, working at the tackle position much more often than they did. So that was uh, that's completely on Dallas for that. So it, it's not Tyler Smith's fault. They they moved him inside, expecting him to just you know take you know take the take the job right right from the get go, which you know it, it looked like he was going to take the job, but. Obviously, you can't bake on Tyron Smith. We talked about it weeks ago, and we were all we were all waiting for the injury. So it's it's not anything we were surprised about. It's just the I feel like the Cowboys just don't have these plans in place where they like Tyron Tyler Smith should have just he should have been working on both. I know they're going to play him at left guard in the beginning for sure. You still you still had you still need to have him work on the outside. So this on top of the injury, it's not looking good. I mean, you're going to have to throw him in the fire because. I would rather have him with a high ankle sprain with, with barely any time at left tackle right now over a, a healthy Josh Ball or Matt Walesko. That's just the way I'm at, where I'm at these days. And Connor McGovern can play fine at, at guard. Even Farniak you can slide in over in the in the interior. So it's it's unfortunately they're setting him up poorly, and it, it does matter because it, this this could set Tyler Smith back. You know, not just for this year, but years down the line. So it's been totally mishandled by the Cowboys completely. Tony, obviously, none of us can speak to the psychology of Chaz Green, um, but they didn't set him up well. In, in, in yeah, I know Mark knows this. In, in, within the burning of Atlanta, as Jerry Jones very infamously referred to it, that was they, they left Chaz Green on an island and they made him the fall guy. They made Chaz Green this this joke that people still reference, people still mock, people still make fun of. And I don't know that they're setting Ty Smith up that exact same way. Um, but we saw the ramifications of that. I mean, again, Tony, I, I know you can't unequivocally say Chaz Green's career was ruined because of that experience, but it certainly didn't help. I mean, like, is, is that not possible that we go down some some path akin to that when it comes to Tyler Smith if he does not turn into the greatest left tackle of all time from day one? I mean, it's certainly possible. And I, like you said, you can't really speak to what's in his mind and his heart and how he would handle adversity. But, you know, imagine practicing and setting yourself up for one position all training camp, you get told that this is what the plan is. You're going to be the left guard. We're going to have you start at left guard. And then one injury. I mean, literally one injury happens. And now it's like, oh, yeah, everything we talked about now, week one, you're going to have to start at left tackle. And the only reps you're going to get are going to be, you know, some the camp's over. So now the, the rigorous practices are over. Like, they're not going to go hard. It, this is going to be game prep. This is about scheming for the for the Buccaneers. So now you're going to have to go back to a position. And I know, they, I know Jerry and Steven have both mentioned, oh, he's a tackle by nature, you know, a tackle in college, totally different 
world. I mean, it's a totally different game going from college, especially Tulsa. It's not like he was playing in the SEC or the Big Ten or anything like that. It's you know, it's a totally different game. There's no um, there's no friends out there. You think Tampa Bay is not going to key on him? Like I'm just, it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, you, you just hope that he's mentally strong. He and he believes in himself because. The Chaz Green effect, I don't think – I think he's far more talented than that. I think that's, you know, a big distinction in this. But at the same time, you, you just have to kind of hope that the Cowboys don't put him in a bad spot that kind of sets a downward spiral. Mark, a moment ago I asked you to translate the Joneses for us. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Um, again, Mark does such a great job transcribing them and translating them. Um, in his interview on Tuesday, again, Jess mentioned that, that Jerry had a lot to say. He said that Michael Gallup would be playing week one if it was the Super Bowl that incited a lot of jokes, obviously Super Bowl, Cowboys, blah, blah, blah. Um, actually recently about an hour ago in terms of real time for us, Michael Gallup passed his physical. Do you believe Jerry Jones, Mark, that, that he actually, if it was a game of, of serious consequence, which was his point that he would be playing, it's worth mentioning a few weeks ago, Michael Gallup ruled himself out of the season opener, but he's not on pup. He's not on IR. Um, do you buy that? Yeah. It's just how effective would he be in the Super Bowl? Would he be out after 15 plays? So, yeah, sure, I believe that. And I think that's the thing with Gallup is they're looking at, all right, here's someone that we're going to need for the entire season, so let's not rush him back, have an RG3 type situation, get him ready to go for week one, and then that just kind of derails his season. They're able to absorb the absence of Gallup because you've got CeeDee Lamb, ostensibly Jalen Tolbert's coming along, along with all of Dak Prescott's self-scouted receivers that have made the squad. So you've got it, and Dalton Schultz is there, so you've got enough of a passing attack that you can afford Gallup to just rest up, come back at his best. So I, I, I do believe that, that if it were a playoff game, if it were a season-defining game, that Michael Gallup would be back. It's just how durable would he be in that game? Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Gotcha. Uh, Jess, along those lines, we have spent so much time over the last seven days pissed off, upset, sad, demoralized over the state of the tackle position. We have kind of forgotten about the state of the wide receiver position. That sounds kind of stupid because the Cowboys have eight of them on their initial 53-man roster. Now, while it looks like eight, it's kind of really just five. Uh, James Washington's going to end up on injured reserve. 
Kevontae Turbin's just kind of a specialist. Michael, no offense to him. I know the Cowboys are going to incorporate him offensively. Michael Gallup still a little bit on ice. So the five receivers that the Cowboys are, are seemingly rocking with, Jess, and when it comes to week one, CeeDee Lamb, rookie Jalen Tolbert, who Dak did kind of scout to Mark's point, Noah Brown, Simi Fajoko, and Dak's boy, Dennis Houston. Is that something that the Cowboys should be considering addressing? Is it stable? Is it fine? Or are you fine putting it on the back burner? Also, Ron the Don says a uh, shout out to Lil Big Wit, your friend. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, he is chewing up things. So sorry if I'm looking like I'm a little distracted, but uh, that is having a puppy. But, you know, to answer your question, RJ, I think if they were going to address it, they should have addressed it already. They had all of this entire offseason, you know, preseason time to do that. They're not going to at this point. So, um, I, I think what we have is what we're going to work with. I don't see them adding anybody else to that uh, wide receiver position. Uh, to be quite honest, I think it's a pride thing uh, as far as the Jones family goes and saying, hey, we've been saying we're banking on these young guys. And, and I just really do not see them adding any more depth in that position. However, based on what I did see at camp, based on what we saw during the preseason games, I'm a little less worried than I was at the start of it. But that's still not to say at the end of the day, experience matters, right? We really don't have the experience. These are all young guys that have yet to play a real NFL regular season game, which is a much different pace, a much different kind of game than the preseason that they've been playing. And, you know, it's it's the real deal now. So I don't think they're going to address it. I think we're going to get what we get in this position. But at the same time, I think you really can't worry about it too much because the worry is all on the O-line, like we've been saying. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see it changing. Do I think we should? Absolutely. I've been forgetting a veteran wide receiver this entire time. I just don't see it happening. Dan, uh, first of all, what is the equation that's over your right shoulder? Uh, that is 84 plus 29 equals 53. Okay. So that okay, just should, that's me expressing my unhappiness about a couple people not uh, on the roster. So. Um, all right. So big Sean McEwen fan. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so I have a question about receiver, but Alex Storm says at this point, if the Joneses don't bring in a non-scrub tackle, they're either too stubborn to see reason or too dumb to see that they're throwing the season away at one injury. And that's it. Unacceptable. I think we could apply that statement to wide receiver. I think all of you are kind of nodding. You all generally agree. Dan, uh, okay. You disagree. That's not my question. So sorry to completely overlooked that uh but a few weeks ago you wrote at blogging the boys about the uh path that every player on the roster has taken to the cowboys how many of them are draft picks how many of them are external free agents things like that so when you look at this uh the word stubborn has been thrown out a lot could you describe this 53-man roster maybe not as stubborn but 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 as as you know looking inward as as prioritizing as, as the true personification of we like our guys there are not a lot of external names on this list and not a lot of external contributors at the very least high level ones. Oh, absolutely that this this roster screams stubborn this is totally about them and their guys and you know you can look you look at all these things and you see um salary cap players tight you know they're trying to work bringing in with i mean i feel like dalton schultz isn't going to be playing here next year you know there's there's a lot of this all these players i mean the great majority of them are just new guys and so absolutely the, the cowboys are most definitely doing it their way um you know i we all have our own um feelings about what that means you know because we we don't always agree with 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 their way uh I, i'm a little mixed uh, outside of the tackle position i really am pretty pleased with with the approach, I mean, I like a lot of these, go, you know, a lot of these young players. I like what they're doing. 
Uh, so, I mean, I'm not too critical of, of the Cowboys in this, uh, but absolutely it's stubborn. It's, I mean, there's, but I will say this. I mean, if, if they, if their scouting department, their player to personnel department and Will McClay and company, if they're really as good as, as what we, you know, have, you know, applauded them for being, then I feel like we almost have to just give them a little bit, just give them a little bit of slack. I know that we lost in the playoffs and I know the results don't, you know, they speak for themselves, but as far as talent wise and and, and competitive roster, I, I feel really good about it. I mean, I can't tell you when I felt this good about how deep our safety group is, you know, and, and the wide receiver group, well, you know, we don't have this Amari anymore. I mean, there's so many good players on there. That's that's just filled with promise. So I, I'm not worried about it. I, I feel really good about the wide receiver spot and the, the defensive line depth is just outstanding. So I guess, um, I mean, like I say, outside of tackle and that, again, that's stubborn. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of issues with the Cowboys approach and, and building from within. Brandon, you are also generally pretty um, trusting. Uh, you know, you're you're more willing to give the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the better way to say that is that you're less jaded than somebody like me. Um, do you agree with Dan? Uh, like, do you look at this and do you see? And I don't think like I don't look at this and see like nothing positive. But do you look at this and see like something that you're willing to give time to? Something that you will you're willing to be patient around? Or is everything so on fire that you just like I got to get out of here? I don't even want to grab my belongings. I'm with Dan. I. I... The only, like the only thing I would add to Dan really is the tight end situation, which once again we do agree on because I was really I was hoping uh, McEwen was going to make the, you know make the the fifty three, which uh, obviously he's got an injury, but that was the one that was the one area I was kind of hoping maybe they would go go four deep at the tight end position because because Hendershot's uh, he's earned his earned his spot. I think he's done a great job. He finished well in week uh, week three here, but yeah, Dan Dan spot on. I'm with him hundred percent. I mean, if you want to nitpick a little bit, I mean, maybe maybe you don't need Terrell Basham. I mean, that could be one position that, or one player you don't need. But other than that, the offensive line is the only issue that I feel like Dallas has dug in on. And I don't I don't see the the point of every time there's a receiver that comes available. And I, I saw I saw like Malik Turner's out there as well, which I, I like Malik when he was in Dallas. But I, I don't I don't think we need to. As soon as a receiver comes available, just jump out jump out there on the waiver wire and grab him. I just think. Let's see what we have, and I think there's enough talent there where I, I, I trust the process. I really do trust Will McClay and company. I think Will McClay does a hell of a job. So, again, I'm, I'm with Dan pretty much like 95%. Ron the Don, uh, sorry, wrong comment here. Uh, but for what it's worth, Army Mom, Heather Cease's Dak will get injured behind this line. We need a stopgap left tackle for one year. But Ron the Don says, I do agree with Dan as well. Maybe you form some, um, like, alliance the two of you, Ron to Dan. Um, I'm, I'm so darn, again, that's kind of like the combination of those things. Scared to give these guys a chance, but it almost has to be them telling us, trust us, I will ultimately sip the Kool-Aid. That's fair. I mean, like, there's nothing left to kind of do there. Um, now, Tony, I have said many times that you are the most Homer-y um, person that is here. The only person that kind of trumps you in that sense is your first and 10 co-host, Dave Sturchio. Cowboys have never made an error in Sturchio's eyes. Um, so that being said, though, I mean this in a very positive way. You are the the most trigger happy of any of us. Like you will flip from from in love with them. I'm super upset, and I think that that is a very good thing. So the Philadelphia Eagles, Tony, on Tuesday traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. This had a lot of Cowboys fans in their feelings, so to speak. 
Um, AJ says, uh, that's the problem. Their way hasn't worked. Philly's going for broke after a wildcard loss, and Dallas is sticking with the We Like Our Guys, half of whom have never played a down. Uh. So, Tony, your thoughts on the Eagles continuing to press and the Cowboys continuing to hold as the NFC East kind of juggles in the balance? It's frustrating. I'm I'm not too, too worried about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think, you know, he's he's a fine football player. I don't think he scares me by bringing being brought into that fold, but it's the sentiment of the Eagles continuously trying to make moves and trying to bring, bring pieces around Jalen Hurts because even though they're trying to figure out if he's their guy, he's they're giving him every opportunity to prove that for them, and, the, and they have draft picks to be able to do that and, and make that flip if he isn't. So it's – you know, it's one of those things where I, I'm not asking. I don't know if you guys are asking. I highly doubt it because you know you guys are all educated. You guys understand how it works. We're not asking for the Cowboys to spend millions and millions of dollars on players. We just want them to bring in people that you think that could compete, be competitive, show a true effort to think that this is going to work. And you know, when you see something that isn't working, be quick to make a change on it instead of sitting on your hands and telling us that they've had it all figured out. So I think this is just more of the same what this off season has been about. When you bring in a guy like AJ Brown. You know, and, and you pair him with some, you know, taking a chance in the Kobe Dean when I think he was sitting there for the Cowboys a couple of times that you feel like could have helped this team. Um, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating because um, the gap has been it's been shrunk. Right. And I think uh, some of that and you've mentioned you alluded to it yourself, RJ. Some of that is the Cowboys doing and some of that is the divisions doing. But I bet you if the Cowboys were trying to kind of be out there and do their thing, it, it wouldn't have shrunk as much and as fast as it did this offseason. Jess, a lot of people approach fandom from the perspective of, um, you know, the team's not loving me back. So I, I feel totally fair and totally justified in leaving. Do you feel like your love towards the Cowboys, and you're kind of speaking on behalf of every fan in the world, so no pressure here, um, <laughs> is, is sort of one-sided right now? Like, like, do you feel like like you're more, not invested or interested, but like you are more emotionally passionate than they seem to be right now about them having success this particular season? You know, RJ, I will always forever stand on the leg that the Cowboys are forever my most toxic relationship. And that is where it's going to stay for the rest of my life. I've learned to accept that. Uh, so, you know, I I don't feel like... <laughs> at the end of the day, football is a business. And I think as fans, we get so passionate, we get so into it, we forget that, that we forget it's still a business at the end of the day. And when it comes to business, it doesn't really matter what we think. And it should, we're the ones giving them the business, but it doesn't. At the end of the day, they're the most valuable sports franchise they don't care what so-and-so is tweeting. They just don't care. Um, and it's hard. And I think especially this last season after the playoff loss, I stayed knocked down for much longer than I usually do after a loss. I mean, it, it was hard to get back up and get back in my normal toxic cycle of believing again and getting my hopes up and then being disappointed. It was hard. And, and I think at this point, we're all just on a new level of frustration for the start of the season. So to me, the Cowboys really need to make it this year. We need to get past the first round playoff. We need to do better. At the end of the day, we have people like Dak. We have people like Zeke that I don't want to see waste their careers. D-Law even. Uh, Micah, who's still young, but I don't want to see any of these guys wasting their careers, not at least going to an NFC championship. That at the minimal. I, I am tired of you know saying, my entire life, I've never really seen the Cowboys play that far into the playoffs because it's true. 
true. The last time they won a Super Bowl, I was born that year. That's not fair. I want to be part of the glory. I want to see the glory days again. And it's just, it's hard to be a younger fan. As somebody commented earlier, it's hard to be a younger fan because this is all I know, right? So we have to hear about the glory days. I want to live them. And it's it's very toxic. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to sip the Kool-Aid. They have me hooked. It's it's a toxic relationship. That's That's what you get out of it. That was equally mean and sweet. Um, very um, kind of interesting balance in that sense. Um, okay, so an update where we're at as far as the roundtable is concerned. If you're new around here, we award a winner to each particular roundtable. It is the most important thing that will ever happen in anybody's life. Um, and so the points are totally objective, totally fair, not at all something I make up on the fly. And where we stand with about 15-ish minutes to go. Tony, you have 20 points flat. Congratulations to you. Danny, you and Mark are tied with 19 points each. Um, you're in last place, but I didn't want to say that like out the gate. So just heads up to you guys. Uh, start picking it up. Uh, Jess, you currently have 23 points. Brandon, right behind at 22. So next question, I always award initiative. I, I always want to see some fights. I want to see some duels. The duel is something that can totally happen here. And if you're watching along live, obviously, if you're later or listening to the podcast, you can participate. But you can always award points to your favorite BTBers. Each person can award a maximum of five at a time so whoever you love go ahead and uh, and go for it but the next question open floor because i i'll set it up this way i'm not the biggest fan of mike mccarthy but i maintain that he's getting a bit of a raw deal here um i thought bob Sturm wrote i tweeted this the the best thing that anybody has written this entire offseason about the dallas cowboys today everybody go read it in the athletic it was wonderful and a lot of it was about how mike mccarthy's in this really compromising position and a big worry of mine is that this season's going to go, as we all predict, it's going to be terrible. The Cowboys going to move on. Maybe they hire Sean Payton and he wins a bunch of Super Bowls. Maybe Mike McCarthy leaves. I don't know if he gets another job, but maybe he does. And maybe there is an elite head coach lurking in there. I realize how small of a possibility that is. And the Cowboys are getting in their own way, getting in his way of having some success. That would be a really awful L to have to take in the future. So that being said, open floor, whoever wants it, go for it. What would be a fair way to evaluate Mike McCarthy this season? If he gets them back to the playoffs, because no one else has done that really since Chan Gailey. It's the truth. Bill Parcells, he um, retired after the 06 season. Wade Phillips then took over. They go to the playoffs in 07. No one else has done it. So he's basically got to be Chan Gailey. That's what Mike McCarthy has to do. No, seriously, I think that is why they brought him in why the joneses brought him in is because he's a he's able proven with the packers to do something that jason garrett wasn't able to do and that's to sustain the momentum built in a playoff season and have it carry over to a new year because you see mike mccarthy talking about how they've got a sour taste in their mouths relative to the 49ers loss it was something that was echoed throughout the offseason workouts training camp even now, and I think that's the fairest way to evaluate him. He's got an easier path than he had with the Packers because now you have this seventh seed equal attention birthday cake spot per <laughs> conference. So to make the playoffs, really Dallas only needs to go, you know, about eight and nine uh, to get that seventh spot. So it's a little bit easier, but nevertheless, I think that's, and I've heard Stephen Jones mention this about he, this Bill Parcells quote that he mentions about all you need to do is get in the tournament. 
And I think that's the Cowboys' philosophy when you look at Tyron Smith comes on Santa Claus' sleigh with a new hamstring, and they're in a position to qualify for the postseason and just get in and and, and see what happens. But I think that lends to a lot of the pessimism and frustration that Cowboys fans have is they don't want to see what happens because they have heard or they remember that Dallas used to just like it was their birthright to be in the NFC divisional Mm. and then go to the conference championship game. So I think that's for fans. The only thing that's going to satiate them is to get into the NFL's final four relative to the Joneses. I think it's going to be taking this season, these challenges and getting into the playoffs. Brandon, I like this comment from DJ Dog. says, Joe Philbin is the way to evaluate McCarthy. If he cannot coach up this offensive line in the season head south, McCarthy has to go. Now, we've spent a lot of time here talking about the offensive line and how plagued it is, how terrible it is, et cetera, et cetera. But Joe Philbin has been McCarthy's guy. I mean, it feels like McCarthy just got here, but he did sell out one of his buddies. He got rid of Mike Nolan after the first year. Defense sucks. Mike, got to go. This is a a selfish business. I'm going to look after myself. But he has stuck by Joe Philbin. In fact, he's praised Joe Philbin. You could argue that he bet on Joe Philbin and the development of Terrence Steele and that transitioning over to Josh Ball or Matt Willetzko, whatever the case may be. Is that a fair kind of microcosm to evaluate Mike McCarthy with? No, I, I think it is. I absolutely think it is. But here's here's the issue with Joe Philbin. He's not getting exactly the the, the best deck of cards, so to speak, to to work with. So, I mean, is it is it really on him to coach up these guys 100%? I mean, like how much how much can he really do to make Josh Ball a legit football player at the NFL level? That's that's my biggest qualm with it. I mean, Joe Philbin, I feel like has been an established coach, for, you know, for many years. I think he's been a, you know been around the NFL and in the college ranks for since the '80s. So it's been a, he's been around a long time. So you know, for for Joe Philbin, I think I think they're kind of putting him in a lose lose situation because they're he doesn't have the best the best deck of cards to play with. And just to add a little bit to to Mark about Mike McCarthy. The thing that I will, the thing that I always say about Mike McCarthy, he was, he's like the perfect hire for the Joneses. He's a big enough of a name because he's won a Super Bowl ring with the Packers, so people know him as an established coach. But he also has the personality where he can be the Joneses puppet. So that's that's the way I look at Mike McCarthy. I think that you're right that he's the perfect coach also and that he um he has like the right history like this is the guy that Des caught it against this is the guy that pulled off the third and 20 like this is this is our you know now we can do we can make all these it was the most predictable thing in the world that he would say Des caught it at his opening press comments things like that um okay I had I had set that up this is our true last question and we're gonna go around the horn here uh this is not an infringement on that copyright this is just you know a phrase that I just happened to say uh, we're gonna go around the horn everybody's gonna give their take here nobody can copy one another dan you get to go first in this particular exercise what should be the top takeaway from the initial 53-man roster go can be good or bad good or bad and we're certainly welcome to comments the commenters can help out our wonderful panel if you want to set people up for things to kind of piggyback off dan i realize it's difficult because you're first uh but you're the only one who had an equation behind them so i thought you were the most prepared yeah, the biggest takeaway. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think they. I think they have this. I uh, like this one, Dan, uh, from KHY Double Zero One. We are going to work with what we got. That kind of goes back to your stubborn point. Yeah, we all we know that's the case. I, I think that they it just reiterates that they just 
have too much confidence in their offensive line with without McKeon, you know, on the team. I, you know, another I don't know. They've lost a blocker to, to help out uh, whoever is going to be playing left tackle. So, to me, I feel like they just they're they're just overvaluing their offensive line. That's kind of the, I guess my biggest takeaway. Hmm. Um, I like this comment from DeLunatics. His top takeaway, we winning our way with the R in our being a number four. Um, you know, you could argue that Frank Sinatra put this roster together in that sense. Um, Jess, your top takeaway from this 53-man roster. My top takeaway is I hope the team doctors and the chiropractors are ready because especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be carrying the weight of this entire team. Um, I think the defense uh, we knew was going to be more um, stacked than the offense overall. So I think overall, it's exactly what I expected. The defense is ready. Uh, I'm excited to watch them and I'm trying to keep a positive outlook. And there it is. The defense is, uh, is going to look great. My overall takeaway is that the Cowboys know that. And um, yeah, the offense, not so great. That's, that's the gist of it. Tony, your top takeaway from this initial 53 man roster. Well, the first word that came to mind when you asked that was incomplete. There's a lot to be figured out. This team is going to look a lot different and over the next couple of days, right? I mean, you wonder, you know, do they do they trim some of the fat at, you know, defensive tackle? I mean, does Ridgeway go to injured reserve? Does, you know, Luke Gifford end up getting cut for Devin Harper? Like, do they bring somebody in? We saw that the guy that they were, you know, flirting with to possibly trade for for the Jets got released. So now do they bring him in? And that was part of the temptation. So there's a lot to be sorted out. And obviously with the initial 53-man roster, you take it for what it's worth. Usually it's just you take it with a little grain of salt. But there's a lot to be figured out over the next couple of days. And uh, this team is far from finished. Brandon. I mean, honestly, again, I'm just going to piggyback off the offensive line situation, but I'm going to take a different spin to it. So it's Dak Prescott running for his life if they can't get the offensive line figured out. And that's the scary part because he's one bad hit, and this this franchise is one bad hit away from being pretty much out of contention because we don't – obviously, I mean, we're going to – like like Tony said, the roster is going to get filled out. I mean, Rush will probably be back, and if Greer clears waivers, he'll be back. So at this point, if they cannot, they can. If Joe Feldman can't get guys, you know, the the off out, you know, offensive tackle or primarily the left tackle position now that Tyrus Smith's out, get that short up enough, or maybe Kellen Moore uh, scheme something up correctly, you know, where you have a you have a tight, you know, you have Dalton Schultz kind of chip on the left hand side just to help Tyler Smith, you know, give a give you know Dak a little bit more time. Dak's going to be running for his life. So I mean, if you're a fantasy football fan. You know, you you can get some uh, rushing touchdowns out of Dak Prescott because I I feel like he's going to be running for his life all season long if they don't fix it. Mark, what is your top takeaway from the initial 53-man roster? They're hiding players on there. So Dennis Houston, John Ridgway. I think that those are two players that they kept on there because they didn't want to expose them to the waiver wire. And you could see some machinations once they get past the waiver period and they can construct their practice squad. I think it'll look a lot different, but they clearly did some trickery like, hey, we're rolling without a kicker and long snapper expressly for the purpose of protecting young players. So I think that's kind of shrewd on their part, but um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Um we have a, a first 
in BCB roundtable history. Um, these rules are ancient and go back hundreds of years. I haven't made them all up in the last 30 seconds. Um, so we actually have a tie for first place, but we are going to settle this tie. Uh, so in last place, um, Danny Phantom, sorry, um, your internet crapped out too. I mean, you know, Brandon is king of overcoming the internet, but uh, you came in with 28 wow. points. Uh, so a respectable effort, Dan, but, you know, not enough this particular night. Uh, Tony, second to last place. Uh, so first place loser, uh, 29 points for you. Hey, you know what? You've won before. It's just got, got to be someone else's turn. Mark, third place, right in the middle, 30 points flat. Um, definitely something to be excited about. But Brandon and Jess tied at first place with 33 points each. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to have our next highest point scorer in Mark Lane come up with one final question. All right, Brandon, Jess, you're going to each take this. I'm going to have nothing to do with this. Tony, Dan, the two of you will decide who wins the roundtable, Brandon or Jess, based on their answers to Mark's question. So, Mark, what would you like to see Jess and Brandon debate? could be anything you want as long as it's related to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, maybe we can talk long snapper. Uh, actually, would you bring up the roster again, RJ? I will. So I can you said that at... so kindly. I will definitely do it for you, Mark. Okay. All right. Here's my question. Is in the way this roster – I'm sorry. This is going to be an essay question, so you should have brought the <laughs> blue paper pamphlets from the campus bookstore. But basically, the way this roster is constructed – do you think that the Joneses are banking on the defense to be the identity and lead this team and that the offense is merely complimentary in 2022? That is a lot for me to type very quickly, um, Mark. So thank you uh, for that challenge. Uh, Jess, uh, we'll go ladies first. Um, the floor is yours. The question for all, all right. the marbles tonight do you think that Jerry and Steven Jones are banking on defense to be the identity of the 2022 Cowboys and that the offense is merely complimentary? Uh, Jess, then Brandon, Dan, Tony, take extreme notes the way Mark Lane does for every single thing. You will decide the fates of their lives, really, is what this is all about. You have to come to a unanimous decision or we sacrifice you both. Uh, Jess, go ahead. I really didn't know we were on an episode of Survivor. I really thought this was a blog in the boys round table, first of all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, second of all, so I'm really glad you asked this, Mark, because on the fan this morning, Jerry Jones said that he wanted the identity of the Cowboys. He, he gave us our answer. So he did say uh, the run game. He essentially said he wanted the run game to be the identity. So as much as us, the fans, see the reality of the defense is going to be the absolute staple of this team, that is not what the Joneses want. So to answer your question of what the Joneses want compared to what the reality is, the reality of what the Joneses want, the identity to be, is Ezekiel Elliott and the run game. Now, realistically, yes, the defense should be the staple of this team because at the end of the day, they just have more depth, they're more stacked, they're more prepared, and we've seen that all this preseason and during the practices. Brandon. Uh, here's the thing. Yes, uh, Jerry Jerry and Stephen Jones mentioned, you know, running Zeke into the ground. That's, that's you know, we've heard that numerous times. I mean, I hear enough of it on fantasy football shows, so everyone's thinking Zeke's going to get run into the ground. They're, the Jones is especially Jerry's again. He's a used car salesman. He's just going to say what you know. He's you know he doesn't even know what he's trying to tell you. He's just going to tell you something. He's a hell of a salesman, so he's just going to he's just going to tell you these things. Now, 
what really is going to happen is Micah Parsons and and, uh, and, and Trayvon Diggs are gonna are gonna be the the guys that run the show on the defense. I think I think you're gonna see Micah Parsons. He's gonna repeat double digit sacks. I think he's gonna get higher than what he did this year. I think he's gonna be closer to 16, 17 sacks this year. And I am going to say Diggs is also going to be a double-digit interceptor again this year. So the defense wins championships, and I think that's exactly what the Joneses are banking on, regardless of whether they're talking about Zeke running him into the ground. There's another guy involved named Tony Pollard. I don't think they're running Zeke into the ground. I think they're going to – I think Tony Pollard is going to – I think he's actually going to have more total yards, which is not just running and, you know, receiving. I think he's going to have more total yards than Ezekiel Elliott this year. All right, Tony, Dan, Danny Fanta, by the way, is an actual, like me, fan of Survivor. Jess, I don't know if you are. Uh, so, Dan, I respect you as being a part of the jury, not doing the whispering thing that happens. I hate that when that happens on the actual show. Uh, so, in in retrospect, I would have preferred to award you tonight's winner if I had known you were going to behave with such class. Uh, but that being said, Dan, Tony, no class whatsoever. Your full, honest thoughts right here with one another. Tell Brandon, tell Jess what you liked, what they were terrible at, and tell us who wins. Yeah, I mean, I'll go first here. So it was set up for David. Think... Good job, Tony. Just taking it. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> I had to get Tony, in and get the words go, in. You go know. Ahead, go ahead, Tony. <laughs> anyway, um, so I I agree with what Brandon's sentiment is. I think that's kind of what the answer is. But it's hard for me to argue with just because those are literally Jerry Jones's words. You know, Jerry Jones's words are the identity of this team is going to be the run game. So when you ask the question what the identity is going to be and the owner tells you that, I think that you take that for what it's worth. Now, again, it could be a Jerryism, and I think we can all use our eyes and say the defense is what's going to be able to carry this team. But in the literal sense of this question, I think Jess hit it on the, hit it on the head. Dan. Yeah, I mean, I there was good points made on both sides. Um, I do think if you look at the – you know, if you look at the, the talent spread out on the roster, I think that they're definitely, you know, obviously they're investing into their defense. And I think I feel like there's a little bit more of we don't know what we're, what we're doing on the offensive side. Um, I think I honestly think that they're making well, regardless of what they're telling. I think they're just putting every all their eggs in the Dak Prescott basket. And so I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, I am not going either way. I'm going to I'm just going to be like RJ and I'm going to say a tie. Wow. <laughs> Dan, we can't. We have to come to an uh, a, hey, like an inclusive. This, an, hey, this is this is your fault. I thought you watched Survivor. This I thought you I went first. Uh, this is this was awkward. I'm not. I'm not okay, prepared so, for this. Okay, like, okay <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm gonna go with Brandon. Oh my god. He's slick. Dan slick. Oh, RJ, man. RJ, you gotta RJ tiebreak it then, I guess. Now this is oh, no, now this is big brother. This is like the head of household has to like, you know, cast the, the deciding vote. What is um, going on, you guys? Wow. Um, so I will say this. Um as my dog pounds on the door to my office, Brandon, a noble effort, but Jess is the only one who brought a puppy, a brand new puppy to the show. So who's that girl? It's Jess. Tonight's roundtable winner, Jess Navarez. Congratulations to you and your puppy, uh, Brandon. Uh, and, you know, great. I think you understanding. You know what I mean? Like you have – we'll give you an extra 10-point advantage for the next roundtable just off of, of class alone. Um, Dan, we'll talk about maybe, you know, you get five points. Because that was actually kind of clever what you did, turning this back on me. I liked that a lot. Uh, Jess, uh, your thoughts on, on winning. Um, who do you want to thank? Who do you want to rub it in the face of? It's up to you. 
I'm really glad you asked. I'd like to thank Taylor Swift for uh, announcing a new album release this week because it really inspired me since the Cowboys have been breaking my heart. Why not have some more music that breaks my heart even more? So thank you, Taylor Swift. Uh, I'd like to thank my parents and my dogs. I mean, that's my life. The Cowboys, Taylor Swift, my parents, my family, and the dogs. That's really it. Brandon, so, do you have anything to say to add to this? <laughs> congrats, Josh. Your puppy is very cute. So that I'm okay losing to you in the pub tonight. Mm. Uh, Mark, that was a great setup. You sent us down quite the path. I mean, that was a really great adventure that you chose for us. So uh, congratulations to you as well, Mark Lane. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, okay, Tony, you have failed at this in the past. So we're going to give you an, <laughs> an opportunity <laughs> for redemption. Um, Tony, I would like you to um, – we had Paul Stewart sing us a little song um, the last time we closed that around table. He did a wonderful job. Just an incredible set of pipes. I think Paul's in Greece right now. He truly is a citizen of the world. Um, so instead of singing us a song, I've asked you to read us a poem before. Tony, I would like you to wrap us a line. Just oh, it, I, cannot, us- <laughs> I can't do it. I cannot do it. You, I can- you, you can do it. Tony, <laughs> come on. do it. Ethan has said, I think Danny wants to do it. Ron the Don has said, LFG, the people are waiting on you, Tony. Listen, Danny, Danny, get the creativity. Big TC, the stage is here. I got a song for you right here. There we go. No, 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 no. Let's go out with the we are never ever getting back to the Super Bowl. (laughs) How do you like that one? Don't ask me to do that again. I I love it. I changed Dan wins the round, too. 